Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello, welcome. Life let's chat. It's hard. You want to talk? I know, that's disappointing. Sit back. Let's work this How's out. It going? What are we doing here? Yeah. Where are you going? Hey, hey there. Wow. It's not always easy. It's amazing if you think about it. Let's think this about this. strange. I have some thoughts about that. Life is hard. Trauma bonded. You know, this episode got me thinking a lot about culture and identity through culture mm-hmm. and how in America, we do have culture. I'm, I'm putting that in quotes. What What do you think culture is in America? What do you think an example of American culture is? Well, a lot of times people might equate culture with food. Mm-hmm. And it could be, but all the food that I'm thinking of actually probably came from other places. But maybe that's part of it. Um, you know, like burgers on the grill. Yeah. Dad wearing an apron, talking about their trip, upcoming trip to Disney World. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that is that is sort of Americana. Is that uh-huh. culture? Yeah. yeah I yeah. feel like that it's not necessarily unique to America, but um, yeah, thinking about like an outdoor barbecue, burgers on the grill. But I feel like that's sort of wrapped up usually in like um, nationalism, like something we might do for like 4th of July or Labor Day, Memorial Day or something. I do see it though. And everyone's like, kind of like dolls. Dolls? (laughs) Like Ken or, you know, and everything's like really bright green and pink. Oh, like suburban America is an iconic sort of, especially thinking about. Um, like a, a vision of fifties, yeah, like post World War Two America. Yeah. yeah, but then I also think about GUNs. <clears throat> oh, GUNs is part of it. Huge. Yeah. But going back to the barbecue thing, yes. I know that red cup, like solo red cups, yes. is distinctly American. I know that um, in solo England, red cups make me happy. Do they? They do. So they don't, it's not really a thing they have in England. So if they're having like an America party in England, they have solo red cups. That's oh, funny. Like part of the thing they have. In England, do they just have teacups? 
Yeah, they just drink their the, beer. The beer. Uh, pint glasses. Oh, pint. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, but again, is that culture? What is culture? I think there's a. Lot... <laughs> About to Google it. Let's Google it. Okay, that's fun. Hmm. Well, there's the science one. I don't think that's what we're referring mm -hmm. to. So it looks like number it's, two. yeah, boiled down to, yeah, intellectual achievement regarded collectively. I'm sure we have some of that. Um, yeah, customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of particular nation, people, or other social group. Right. And we so we usually see it. Okay, so in customs, we see it sort of maybe in how we do weddings or other gatherings, how we eat, what we yeah. eat, um, social institutions, a lot of maybe more progressive countries might put a lot of uh, emphasis on education. We have that to a degree here, but I, mean, we just I would say, say it's it. mostly churches. In America. I mean, there's different ways to slice and dice culture, it seems like, right? Because I'm thinking of America, but also... America? Yeah, America. But I'm also thinking like LGBTQIA. Yeah. Is that culture? There's gay culture, I think I've... Is gay, but gay culture is like world... Why? Or do you think yeah. that's born maybe in America? It's different. I don't know. No, I don't I'm know. not saying it. I'm, I'm saying outside of America, there's the gay thing. So cultures within America. Yeah. Do you think identity? Identity is part of that. Oh, of course. Because right? people talk about culture wars in America. And I think it really comes down to identity wars. Mm -hmm. And everyone has an identity, and maybe it's a collective identity, that they think is what America is, right? Well, so that's you, for American culture. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, what yeah. you're saying, there is this version of America that thinks being progressive, being part LGBTQ, BLM, uh, believing in equality for everyone, equal opportunity for everyone, da, da, da. Like, that's American culture. Like, that's true freedom. Oh, freedom. Right? But then there's other America that thinks that they encapsulate real american culture and values like and then that's synced up into g-u-n-s mm -hmm. american flagship bible jesus mm, yeah. mm -hmm. he who shall not be named ah and these are the culture wars that get talked about right who's the real america and it's all kind of bullshit because we could argue endlessly about who the real America is. America is a big, vast country full of all well, kinds of yeah. people and and geographies. Yeah, they say, you know, melting pot kind it's of. It's a melting pot. And not just of, yeah, just all the things. But I think it also comes down to geographical, like the South has an identity. Yeah. The Northeast has an identity. Mm -hmm. The West Coast has an identity. They're all like kind of micro cultures. And then in the middle. Yeah. You got the Bible Belt. Um, political, religious, um, economic. And then I think in America, especially, and other countries have this as well, like there's um, cultural identity and like past aggressions. <laughs> I don't know if I could put it like that. Mm -hmm. 
I'm maybe specifically thinking about like the Confederacy. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And we also have the thing with the Native Americans. We don't really like to talk about that one as much. But Native Americans that are here are aware of it, right? They are. And maybe us more progressive types are willing to talk about it. But then yeah. there's people that don't want that included when they're thinking about America. They don't. They want to pretend that that doesn't exist or that we were forced to do it. It was divine, whatever they call it. Had that. to help them out though, right? Well, we had to move them out. Help them out, move, move them, them out. out of the way for a blessed expansion. It's just part of it. Oh, that's part of it. You know, okay. couldn't, could not be done. I don't know. Did I say anything? Probably, but I, I like the way you're thinking about culture. I'm also thinking about culture. Probably. To, <laughs> to the individual. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about it that way, it makes it feel like you're like, if I'm not just gay, I'm not just Filipino. I'm not just and like it's culture when it comes to an individual, it's kind of a mixed bag. And then a lot of times you might judge someone by their culture. Yeah. That you or lack of culture. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, culture exists in all kinds of ways. We talk about work culture mm -hmm. and then like home life culture. Um, and I think these just come down a little like traditions or ways of moving around a space together. Traditions or they just determine everything that you do in your life. Yeah. But obviously some cultures are maybe a bit more um, deeper or... I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, like America is a melting pot. So we bring with us cultures from other countries. Um, and then the American history isn't very long. Very young. We're still very young. Yeah. So we really have time to fully develop. We're like the Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We don't know what's going on. Yeah, but we think we know everything. Uh -oh. oh, you just insulted <laughs> so many people, I feel like. Oh, shit. Had to be said. Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg, and I'm actually here in the same room with Therese Garcia. Hello. And today we're discussing This Is Actually Happening, episode 295. What if you had to betray your family to save them? Wow. I'm title. looking at Therese because that was the first time she heard the title. She really yeah. goes in fresh, you guys. I go in fresh. I don't even know. She don't even know the title. Um, she mm -hmm. she knows the shorthand. This is Mev. Yeah, it's like Mev. She doesn't know what she's going to get. Who's this Mev? Mev's family has a tumultuous time in India, her parents enduring traumas of their own. And due to violent riots, they eventually emigrate to Thailand and then the U.S. She grows up in America, being all Americanized, while the threat of an eventual Indian marriage looms. And on her way to meet her suitors in India, she meets John. Sneakily, Mev deepens her relationship with John, marries him, and her family's anger and threats cause her estrangement, enforceable by a legal restraining order. After some months, Mev's sadness spurs her new husband to attempt reconciliation with Mev's family. Due to the pain of separation, Mev's father is able to choose love over tradition and finally accepts Mev's decision and John as his new family. Love transforms her family entirely. I spent some time on these That's synopsis. really good. 
That's really spoiler cool. alert if you haven't listened to Ellen. And that's for our people that don't actually listen to the This Is Actually oh, yeah. Happening episode. So you can sort of follow along a little bit. We do recommend listening to the actual episode. That helps. And full disclosure, I am the showrunner for This Is Actually Happening, and I have the privilege to vet stories and conduct pre-interviews before they go to wit for the final interview. And T knows nothing about anything. She comes in fresh. And this show, Trauma Slash Bonded, is for the listeners. It's a space where we can talk about each episode, digest it, and reflect on it with empathy and also a bit of levity. That's Trauma Bonded. What stuck out to you as the heart of Mev's story? I'm so excited to know what it is. T already um, spoiled me a little bit and told me that it was a one-worder. Oh, yeah. I feel like I oversold it. But, (laughs) yes. Okay. So, what I think the heart of the story is, I think I can capture in one word. Unveiling. What? So. Whoa. (laughs) I... I don't know if you're being sarcastic. No. Oh, okay, great. How fun. Go Isn't on. Isn't that fun? Yeah. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Obviously, there's, you know, physical parts to it. So I think, uh, you know, the veil is kind of a way of talking about maybe power, identity, breaking free. Mm. And so, you know, the first time her dad saw her mom's face was when he lifted her veil, right? All the way to the end, right? When Mev kind of accepts and unveils herself and her identity and then has, you know, the courage to make decisions for herself and and take back that power. Yeah. And then there's a lot of little bits throughout that I think we'll probably talk about throughout, but I think... yeah lifting the veil and being you know on what side of the veil you're on who's lifting the veil Mm. those moments who puts on the veil yeah yeah it's all how the veils you use later you mean with the water yeah okay yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was some weird sexual thing (laughs) i was like what oh that's good thank you um my heart of the story is is just the basic idea of living with the decision that's entirely yours. Like you might fail, but at least it's on your own design, by your own design, not anyone else's. Uh, Mev could have done exactly as her father demanded and ended up miserable or happy, but it wouldn't have been her choice. Decision-making is hard and can be unsteady, but there is inherent value in making a, a decision and following your instincts because only you have your instincts. That's right. And I think about I think about the whole decision making being your own. I think about it too in an artistic way. Like T you and I have both done some writing and I've had writing experiences with other partners as well. And <clears throat> at some point inevitably 
you get through the editing process and you present it to other people to comment on. And some people have really rigid ideas about what changes you should be making. And I think it's an art form almost in and of itself to be able to use your own veil, if you will, to filter out what is a good note, what is a bad note. And when you get to a place where you're trying to, like, say, develop a script and you've gotten a producer that you're working with and they give you notes and are basically not just asking you to consider them, they're telling you you have to use them. That's when I get real prickly about it. And I've had this conversation before. I've always said, I think as an artist, you have to you have to live and die by your own decision. If you're just taking on a bunch of edits from someone else, at some point you, you cease being the artist. You're not creating or controlling anything that you're making. I would rather put myself out there that's entirely me and my decisions and have success or failure from it than to take someone else's notes because I'm afraid to trust my own instincts and have success or failure by their decisions. I mean, at what point do you say it's not yours anymore? And and I thought about Mev a lot in this this context. Like, yeah, she might have really fucked fucked it up with John. She might have fucked it up with her family, but at least she did it on her own terms. And that's something that you can live with, I think, and learn with learn from better than taking on a bunch of different people's ideas about how you're supposed to be. And at some point you are not yourself anymore. Right. Oh, totally. Right. And I think there is a bit, obviously when we get to it, a bit of a domino effect that happens and it just makes me think of her parents. They didn't decide to get married when they did, but they made that decision, you know, to start dating in their early fifties and fall in love again or fall in love. For the first time. For the first time. Wow. We'll get to that. Yeah. I really do think, um, I think this story is a great, it's a really great story of like pushing these traditional Indian Muslim culture right up against America, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you put a traditional Indian Muslim family in America, there's bound to be a hybrid that comes out of it. You're not going to be like fully one or the other. And I feel it really feel like this story is one that shows that if you work at it and you're going to have troubles along the way to do it, that it can work. I really loved the beginning of the episode and how she um, really sets up the, the family for us, you know, to get this sort of rich background on where her family came from and all of the inner workings of how her parents ended up being the people that they are. And she didn't go on very long, but just the the notes that she gave yeah. developed characters like so easily and, and so quickly. And I do know that Mev is a writer herself. Ah, I think there that it was is. I think that showed up here. It really did show. And there episode. were like stats. It felt like there were stats. I know she's like my intro. family, like 200 years ago. I'm like, oh, whoa. Like she's okay. like going deep. <laughs> yeah. Not like like oh, and then... my family from Indiana. And I, yeah. I admire people like that, that really know their past lineage. Do you feel like you know a lot about your past lineage? No. And it made me think I should probably learn that because yeah. I also, I mean, I guess 
your first I was generation born here. American. She wasn't born here, but I, yeah. Right. And I don't know a lot about the history of my family, uh, but I, I very much identify with being some sort of weird hybrid Yeah, that came in living in my parents' house, Catholic, Filipino, eating oxtail and peanut butter, coming in, eating hot dogs outside, you know, and just being like kind of the weirdo. Hmm. And then starting to blend in. Did you feel like growing up, when, like when you went to American schools, you were American. Did you feel uh-huh. like you were coming into school with sort of a, a Filipino filter? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's why I say like food is such a big part of culture. I, that's one thing I remember I was like coming in with you know, rice and not necessarily oxtail, but something, you know, some kind of meat or fat. And and everyone else has, you know, like a sandwich. Right. And I'm over here and they're like, what is that? Right, right. Like maybe there'd be some rice, but yeah, yeah, it was, and I I could feel being different. And I'm having a weird thing. Like, I think I used to have a little bit of an accent. Well, if you're growing up listening to Tagalog in the house. Yeah. Um, probably primarily, right? Did your parents speak Tagalog? Yeah, they yeah they spoke Tagalog, and we all we did was hang out with churchgoers who all spoke Tagalog. Interesting. And then they'd speak English with a Filipino accent. And fun fact about Therese is she can't speak Tagalog, but she understands it. It's weird. <laughs> I'm I'm white, and mm. I grew up in the Midwest. Okay, and my family. I have no idea how many generations ago emigrated from England, Ireland, maybe some uh, Scandinavian. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. But Uh, (laughs) (laughs) now that we're face to face. (laughs) You know that Ellie is white? (laughs) White on white, but um, on white. (laughs) Have you ever thought about doing those like test to see my sister, how much white you are and how much white yeah <laughs> all the white i just named but, yeah, test. but how much a third a third a third you know maybe it's, it's pretty much is exactly yeah. Yeah. Great, great, yeah great great no i can't say i mean i'm 100 percent filipino probably yeah probably yeah yeah so brown um oh wait on brown i'm brown on brown yeah garcia yeah you are brown on brown yeah um should we talk about her father? We probably should. Is that a jump? The arc of her father is a strange one. I can't think of another character in recent times where I went like sort of all over the place emotionally with how I felt about this guy. Right? He's set up to be really sympathetic, you know, at the start of his life. Um, you know, having to be like this provider at eight years old. You know, we talked about straining the water in the veil, mm-hmm. giving food to his brothers and sisters. Yeah. Uh, you know, Selfless. literate because never had time for education, just constantly working, yeah. traveling, really focused on taking care of his family. And you really start to like, you just have a picture of in your mind, this guy, like, what a wonderful person. And then he, it, it yeah. just kind of becomes this monster, right? He's and going it's crazy. The toxicity of his mother and talk, talking shit to to him about what you know what that slut whore wife of his is out doing. Yeah, and then 
And and so like while he's being a dick to the mom, he's also this really controlling over his daughters from only credit cards to monitor their purchases, low jack in the car, saying they gotta have an Indian husband, shows a pic of an Indian man to her to to threaten her Scare basically her. like yeah, torment her, as she puts yeah. it. And you just don't think this guy could get much worse. He's so controlling. Yeah. And then, um, and you don't believe that this guy can change because it seems like he's really set in his ways and he is this guy. It is really clear, though, that he adores his daughters. Like mm -hmm. when she talks to Indian men and tells him that they've he's called her a reject and he's yeah. like, no, 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 you're not a reject. You are perfect. Yeah. I mean, he was like, controlling but also protective right and then mev really pulls off this caper and she doesn't know she's following and trusting her own instincts but she doesn't know that this pain of losing her is going to transform him so deeply and then when he finally can rid this toxicity and his mother out of his life he can actually connect with his wife and then they fall in love. It's like, this is an arc I was not expecting at all. No, I just thought it was going to get worse and worse. Yeah. You know, the abuse, the, you know, yelling, verbally abusive, thinking she's cheating, trying to control her as much as he can. I mean, let's, t let's talk about Mav's mother and dealing with this guy. So she's got how many kids? Six kids. And this yeah. jackass of a husband. And by all accounts, there's never even an idea of yeah. leaving him or yeah. divorcing him or escaping through unaliving herself. Just like taking care, feeding him, Constant. taking care of the house, taking care of the kids. Yeah. And then they don't communicate. They don't talk for years which is is shocking like even when they met um john's parents like i feel like they were still not talking but they're sitting at dinner yeah how strange how do you go through this for years right from well, she gets married at 15 up to let's say 50 so that's 35 years of being abused by your husband used by him just to run a household and raise children and all of a sudden his mom dies and you guys start talking and then he asks you out on a date it's beautiful it's lovely it's sweet but how is how is she not full of absolute resentment yeah and he of course the dad doesn't want to talk about the past he doesn't want to talk about the past so that the past just lives you're in the past. right you're right what is in her what is going on in her mind that's interesting because when when she said he doesn't talk about the past i was like of nice, course he doesn't the abuser never wants to talk about the past i know oh god you're sorry like, <laughs> he's <laughs> makes you so like, mad <laughs> <laughs> she was in my face there <laughs> But I thought of it, oh, yeah, let's move forward. Like, this is beautiful. But you're right. It's like, no, I want to avoid all my past I just, mistakes. I just imagine she's got all these journals of just, like, cataloging all of his faults. And he's like, well, I want to move on. And she just takes, like, a thousand journals and just throws them over. <laughs> and she's like, okay. Okay, now good. Yeah, sounds good. Let's date. I think she would, I don't know, but was she driven by a sense of, duty yeah. mostly to her kids and her husband i guess but really takes that vow seriously 
and to live a lot of that time in America where us women are told you don't like it you get the fuck out you know yeah um that she is able to escape that particular bit of Americanization you know thank god for the family but I just want I just want to like I want to know what's going on in her brain she's like okay yeah and it's not that there's gotta be yeah there's gotta be some deep shit in there but she's just yeah she's She's the strongest one she really is though i i bet it was a little bit of a nice break when he'd be gone for months at a time right even though she knew he was away getting his ears filled with lies about all of the horror and she was doing that she wasn't doing and then knowing that she's got to face that sort of abuse when he gets back stateside horrible yeah, and they're not looking forward to him coming home. No, that's not for sure. at all. It's really a miracle that they stayed together for so long. Um, so let's talk about character arcs. Let's talk about John. Meet cute. Total meet cute. <laughs> Starting with the ripping up of the e-ticket. Oh, for I don't know. sure. That kind of gave a little glimpse into Mev. I was like, okay, girl. Yeah. <laughs> this was like a romantic comedy for a minute. She's like, got I was an like, attitude, this one. This is getting dark, you know, with the you know yelling a lot and then all of a sudden it turned into a rom-com and i was like hello (laughs) (laughs) love right right well and we really like when this story came to us um um and i'll i'll give a little background on that um jason blaylock one of our beloved editors hi jason hi jason he was having a siesta at the Russian river and he was with some other friends and he met Mev on the river. Mev was there with her family and they ended up like the, you know, the groups ended up hanging out together and Mev's told the story of how she met her husband and Jason emailed us the show, me and wit and said, Hey, I heard this really interesting story. She'd be willing to be interviewed. And at first we were like, it just felt like, yeah, like a meet cute, like a like kind of defying cultural expectations and and meeting this love of your life, like a sweet story. We didn't realize there was so much like uh, exploration of culture and family, and and so at first we weren't really entirely sure that it would be like a good fit for the show because it didn't feel like it initially didn't feel like it had like the transformative aspects that we try to have on the show. But once I pre-interviewed her and I fell in love with her and, um, and then of course Wit had the final interview with her, like we realized there was so many like wonderful, um, underpinnings of transformation within the family and the characters of the story, her father, that we yeah we knew it would be a good fit for the show it still is a slight difference right kind of vibe it does have a different vibe to it yeah it lightened up quite a bit there yeah that i wasn't expecting yeah i thought it'd just get worse and worse yeah so let's continue talking about the meet cute meet cute yeah that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget Mm, mm, mm. visit carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient comfortable ah 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I will say it's a little... Okay, I know where you're going. If this was in the relationship advice subreddit of Reddit and... Like the Redditors would jump all over this age gap, yes. like straight away. We just on the face of it, a nineteen-year-old girl don't really match up with a twenty-year-old, twenty-nine-year-old yeah. man. Okay, completely different places in their life. It, if it just again on the face of it, without knowing the people they're in, it would seem like he was really taking advantage of her, and he's a skeezy dude. Yeah. He's already skeezy. He's from New York. He's in real estate and he's going yeah. to Ibiza. Like, yeah, these are not, that, all none of, of that, these are selling like, points. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no, what's oh, going to happen? And to be so bold to just like point to a teenager and tell her to sit next to you. She and must then, like, have looked like a child. Or maybe she looked like an adult woman, which she was technically, but she was almost technically a teenager. I looked like I was 12 when I was 19. Well, I'm just letting you know. You still look like you're 12, so um <clears throat> but and then and the, this is her first kiss this is a first all of the first for something i don't know there's a little like, vague the smile all nearly if got she on the mile us, high club yeah what are we nearly what okay. are we doing first of all <laughs> these poor people sitting around them on the plane right next <laughs> that's what i was thinking like i'm like i'm going to like a work thing or something and i'm sitting next to this kid and this adult i'd be like ding on the flight attendant can we ding this like i need first of all i need some champagne second of all there's some weird romance blossoming here how between are they the pulling this off a, is there there must be a blanket seven hours disturbed i know. i could not stop thinking she didn't get specific mates. and i'm so weird i needed to know all I, the things i know but yeah so on the face of it, it looks really skeevy so from the outside looking in even though let's be mindful of the people around us on planes and not do well how about things this? to it, each other maybe they it sounds like there was a seat open next to him maybe it was a someone wasn't like right next to them just like right watching. like they're like they're like in a row of three just the two of them like closest to the window and yeah yeah and it's dark it's dark <laughs> Hopefully God, they're not. I hope so. Gross. Yeah, I, I would be so grossed out. This. Okay, so that's <laughs> that's skeevy and weird. Sorry, and meet cute though. Meet cute <laughs> in hindsight. Well, in hindsight. Now today we can look back and go, that was meet cute. Yeah. In the moment, I'm like, ugh. But if it had happened two years before that, yeah, weird. Gross. More than that, illegal. Illegal. Definitely illegal. Um, and, uh, you know, she might have been, like, mature, but it was her first kiss, so she wasn't that mature. Yeah. So, whatever. They're to they're still together, ended up being fine. Yeah, okay, so it keeps that. getting skeevy. I'm just going to say that for John. Yes. Not, okay, Ibiza. so they, yeah, he goes to do whatever he does in Ibiza. Yeah. 
I'm sure it wasn't like looking at real estate in Ibiza. Wasn't what at were you temples. doing there? So then he gets back to the States. She gets back to the States after successfully, you know, navigating three courtships in India. And again, he's 29 and she's 19 and they go out for a lovely lunch. And then he figures, what the hell? I'll go to this teenager's home in New Jersey and have sex with her in her family home. Yeah, that's weird. What if she's lying about her age too? Can you imagine being almost 30 and going into oh someone's family home? I don't do that. <laughs> okay, so it just, I mean, it, just, it looks bad. It looks so bad. It looks really bad. And I'm sure he's got, he's got a sense of humor about it and they joke about it. And I know Mev does. She has got a okay, great good. sense of humor. Okay, good. Um, yeah, from the outside looking in, it looks pretty, pretty bad. Are they mad at us now? The way that we're talking about it? I don't think so. Okay, I'm good. sure someone is though. Um, <laughs> tell us. <laughs> tell us on Instagram. Trauma Bonded. Trauma Bonded Pod Official. Yeah. Now the arc of John happens, which I think is wonderful. Oh, because he really does show like the depth of who he is. Like when when they have the estrangement from his, her family and have to take out the restraining order, he's the one that sees her sadness and cares about her. He calls the dad, which is a huge thing to dads. If you're a man listening to the show and you want to get in good with your boyfriend or girlfriend's family, give the dad a call. Yeah, it means a lot to dad. Yeah. Um, he converts I to know. Islam for her. That was big. That was a huge. I'm wondering what in-laws think of that or his parents. Yeah, they're probably like anti-religious. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, but and 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 she says herself, they're not like Muslim religiously, more culturally. So, yeah. um, John does really have quite an arc. He comes around. <laughs> But you start off skeevy, John. Pointing, pointing, pointing. pointing. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about an important thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mev's unaliving herself attempt. This was interesting, and this is important to talk about because this is the first time she attempts to to shake this family out of its bad patterns. Mm -hmm. Right? She she believes that either she sacrifices herself so that they can realize sort of the depths of their pain and love and change or it's a cry for help that might shake something loose and it's 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 like a it's this big it's a terrible thing that she does but it's also she thinks it's necessary it's uh to to make change happen um why why do you think she did it i mean <clears throat> i believe her when she says i mean the way that they were the parents were fighting all the time she really believed that it was harming the family yeah and she thought she was making some sacrifice so that they just wake up and be like oh wait yeah. this isn't healthy for our kids yeah you know and then, um, but no, that would have also been unhealthy for the kids. No, this is not a solution. Yeah, at, at all. And I, she doesn't say her age, but I think she's like pre preteen. And I you're guess. already there's already so much going on. I'm yeah. sure to have this in addition. And then it is really sad because it really doesn't inspire any change. If anything, it just makes her feel like she's added pain to her, her mother. 
And possibly more like a harder grip from her dad. Yeah, there's a lot of guilt associated with what she's done. But it reveals a lot of things too about like her father's perception of what a family's supposed to be. There's a secrecy involved and this is what happens in all families, but we just don't talk about it aloud. And it's the same thing that we talk about a lot on the show. It's like you have to shine light in these dark spaces in order for change to happen and it might hurt it might hurt to like root it out but it you know it's better toward healing right? yeah and i wonder does he believe that or is he just trying to get her not to talk about it believe that every family is I, like i this. think he believes that and then it makes me think about his past yeah that if his parents or i guess yeah and and if it was like that for him, but he was the one taking care of his siblings. Yeah. Well, because remind me, he lost his father young. Yeah. And by all accounts, his mother was terrible. Yeah. But it's weird because he like totally believes her when she says the wife's cheating on her. Yeah. On him. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot there. I just, <clears throat> when you say something like that, like all families are like this, you know? We just don't talk about it, so don't tell anybody. He's trying, you know, when he he tries to sign to her not to say that she tried to kill herself to the psychiatrist, yeah. you know, like he really is trying to hide, yeah, hide that. Well, I think these struggles are supposed to be kept in the family. There's this um, class thing, or you know, just some we just some things we don't talk about in public. You know, it's like showing your ass. Yeah. Problems are supposed to be kept in the home. Or you can just act right all the time. Ad act right? Well, stop being an asshole. Yeah. And then you could talk all about it. I mean, and this is also isn't like uniquely Indian. This is, I. Oh, like, yeah. This it's is not. Yeah. a lot of families do this. We have this in my own family. Um, I, I think it's a generational thing. Yeah, I think it, so. And not in my immediate family, but I mean, like, like my grandma, RIP. Um, she was always like, oh, we don't talk about that. We don't, you know, it's always like, we don't talk about that. You don't bring that up. You don't talk about that. So, you know, you can only imagine what she's brought from her parents. Mm -hmm. So I think the more we talk about let's stuff, talk about let's it, talk let's about get it, it out, Hopefully, talk with each other. We're all struggling about we're something. We're all struggling. No one is having a great time yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know, but then there's also the whole social media thing where yeah. people think you are being transparent about your family, but there's other things underlying i'm sure it's not always fun all the time yeah like when we did that photo spread for your family yesterday and out of about 100 oh, yeah. pictures <laughs> i took there's about two usable ones <laughs> i think that's why i think it's more interesting yeah. to put out the chaos i love ones. those yeah like i was like let's put the blurry one out <laughs> the blurry one i'm like just yelling kids running away kids crying yeah <laughs> Yeah. But what's end up, what ends up getting posted is the perfect yeah. one yeah. where you guys all look like, you're just calm I'm so happy. happy to take a picture Bumpkins. together. Like, like such this a is not real life. But cute. Yeah. And that's the problem with social media, yeah. which we've talked about before. It's always extremes. You're the really, yeah. really, really happy. You're really, really, really sad. Yeah. yeah. And most of life is just what happens Somewhere in, in the middle. All right. Let's move on. Um, <clears throat> the men in India. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You want to talk about them? Go on. No, I I like it when you talk about it. 
and then I say stuff too. But I already talked about the not being a reject or not you're perfect. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, obviously, she played these guys like she played this game perfectly. It, she's good. She knew exactly. She, knows what she to knew do. she was not going to fall for any of these guys. Yeah. And Though so, they seem perfectly fine. Yeah, she's magnanimous about it. Yeah. You know, it's just somebody else's dude. Yeah. But she was not going to go for any of these guys. No. There was something in her that just, I think, re- was rebellious, like inherent, um, that just didn't want to play by the rules. Oh, yeah. And she did it going through like loopholes or sneaky. No, she's very sneaky. She's not like, I'm not going. Yeah, she went. So, no, I'll go. I'll Can go. you call my dad and tell him yeah, that you don't want to be with me? Right now. Could yeah. you just call? She's smarty. Yeah. You um, learn to do stuff like that. And then knowing that, oh, and then just framing this conversation of calling me a reject and like sending the dad into a tizzy about it. Like, she, yeah, she knew exactly what she was doing. Yeah. She was not going to play by this tradition. Um, <clears throat> we talked about her getting married to John. So finally, she's legally tied to John and she now feels emboldened to call her upper family and let them know because she knows that they're not going to try to break them up. Um, Should we talk about her older brother? Really disturbing to, I mean, it sounded like he threatened to hurt her, to harm her. Yeah. And so much so that she had to get a restraining order. Yeah. They had to get this restraining order, you know. And they don't call, they, she'd never said, it's funny, it's interesting because she never says words that I think we've become used to hearing or or accustomed to hearing. Like she never says arranged marriage, which is what she's oh. talking to, but she never uses that term, which I think is interesting. And two, even though she says her, her brother and her father are both really mad and her brother threatens her, she never talks about like an honor killing per se. Um Ew. But what I really want to talk about, again, same idea with the mother having all of, like, she should have so much resentment, right, for the way she's been treated. After your brother says something to you like that, or makes it clear that he's willing to hurt you over a decision you've made, even after all the healing that takes place, how does that relationship bounce back? That's for a future. I have no idea. It Has it? We don't know. Will it? I mean, he's really... Even more strict than his dad, it feels like. Yeah. Son becomes the father. You signed up for, you're like, I'm, you know, this is the way I'm going to be with how my dad is. I have to get in line. And Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like I've gone through some shit with my sister, but she's never threatened my life. And well, that seems a little bit. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be curious to know in a fault from Mev, like how, yeah, how that relationship looks today, and and how you come back from something like that, and it may, and maybe her brother also really was impacted by this change, as as it sounds like her entire family was, and he was able to soften and ask for forgiveness for having that sort of hardline threatening reaction. Let's talk about this idea of betrayal. She says mm-hmm. she's rejected her family. For this white guy she's known for nine months. Yes. <laughs> Ultimate betrayal. Um, and this is the perception of, like, if we just want to draw a line under what the perception of her family is, is you've rejected hundreds of years of culture, tradition, religion, ethnicity, mm-hmm. uh, all, of the th- all of this that we've raised you with for a white guy 
an old white guy that you've known for nine months. So this is yeah, the perception old. of the family. Of course, they're going to be pissed. Like I had to do it. Why can't you do it? Right. Right. They're right? yeah, sure. That part of it. And, and, and all of them had accepted, like, this is the expectation for our lives. We're going to, we're going to fall in line. So it is this perceived act of rebellion on her part. And there is very little likelihood of reconciliation. It really feels like that could have been, been the end. They never speak again. Right. And thing. Yeah. to defy culture, tradition, ethnicity, and and maybe this act of rebellion is sort of uniquely American. Maybe that's a little bit of American culture, like we're little brats. No, England, we're going to be on our own. You can't tell us what to do. Um, yeah. But on the sadder side, it really made me, and she talks about how there are families where this sort of act of rebellion is unforgivable and, and the parents cut ties with their kids and never talk to them again. This happens all the time in, in America. Yeah. Again, thinking about how religion is so much tied up in our culture, you know, it makes me think specifically about poor gay kids or trans, yeah. trans kids that are by all accounts well loved by their family. And then as soon as they come out, their family feels compelled to cut ties just because of what they think religion is is telling them about how people are supposed to be it's so it's like the thing that makes me like the the most sad like to cling on to some dumb ass belief <laughs> system to over your kid to reject yeah. your kid for some archaic man-made pile of garbage to reject yeah. <laughs> to reject your kid to reject all that love to to set them out on their own without without you what the f it makes me mad as well it makes yeah. me so sad i mean i when i came out it was iffy i think my mom would never disown me but it was almost the other way around because if she wasn't gonna accept me the way i was, am you know yeah i definitely would have been like well we're not hanging like and it took her a while. In fact, you know, the biggest thing, do you remember the biggest thing she did? It took years for her really to truly accept it. Wait, what was her biggest thing? She voted yes on Prop 8. Oh, yeah. Because at church. At church. Wait, did she vote yes on Prop 8? She, she's no, you know what she a did? Bit liberal in her heart. You know what she did? She, at church, they had them sign that they pledge. would vote yes on Prop 8. That was it. But she did do that pledge. But I think ultimately we had a conversation. She didn't. And conversation is putting it lightly. Yeah. I was yelling. Yeah. And then um, ultimately I think she voted no. I believe because that. Because if, if she had voted, I think that was, I, I was like, <clears throat> I'm not. Do you want to explain what Prop 8 was a little bit for people that don't know? I know it's confusing language. I think it was intentionally misleading. <clears throat> 2008, um, Prop 8 was a proposition on California ballot, which basically said it was to affirm marriage mm. between a man and a woman, right? Oh, should we read? It was a California ballot proposition and a state constitutional amendment am 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 intended to ban same-sex marriage. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What? 
Um, sorry, it passed in the November 2008 California state elections and it was later overturned in court. Yeah. Did you forget? I forgot. <laughs> Did that, you think we I won? I just remember. I remember. Like, we that won. was crazy. I remember now. Oh, my God. That was a insane. lot of conservatives in California. People only think of, like, L.A. and San Francisco, which are sort of liberal blue places. But yeah. there's a lot oh, of conservatives lot. in California. Oh, my God. I forgot. And it was a big drive to get people out to vote uh, for Prop 8. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you're, yeah. Uh, when I was living with your mom, we'd get calls during, uh, well, for the 2020 election, some bitch called and was like, um, we're just calling everyone to tell everyone to vote for Trump. And I was like, excuse me? I knew. And I was like, why? Um, because he's anti-abortion and that's like and that's pretty it. much all Catholics. That's all I have to say. That's on. all it says on, yeah. on her piece of yeah. paper. Uh, oh, okay. Uh. And I was like, no, and don't call here again. Bye-bye. Yes. Um, Mom's like, but I'm anti-abortion. I'm sure she is. Your mom? Yeah. I don't think, though, your mom is dim enough to ever just vote life. on a one well, oh, idea. No. No, I'm just uh, saying a that lot one of these piece, dim, narrow-minded they... idiots will only vote on that one. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I want to throw newborns into alligator pits to sacrifice them for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want to starve school-aged children uh, until they know all of the Bible front to back. And I'm also against abortion. Oh. Oh, there it is. We'll vote for you. Yeah, alligators. What fine. was the other things? That's oh, cool. That no, 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 no. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Uh, which, by the way, is pretty much that because they just want babies born. They're not oh, interested in giving them any kind of like postnatal care or feeding them in school. Or I mean, that's a whole other thing. They just want babies born. They don't care how their families are taken care of after the fact. So fuck off. Okay. We're not a political podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so Mev is an Americanized daughter. She's an Indian woman who's an Americanized daughter. She teaches, she ultimately teaches her father. She teaches him a, a different way of looking at things. And, and the fact that he can change, he, she, Mev really paved the way for her family. She saved her family. Um, she talks about how she takes his power and forced him to feel all of his feelings and to suffer. And this is what we were just talking about. So then it really becomes this question in his fucking face. Do I choose culture and tradition over the love of my child? And he makes the right decision. And it's almost like a movie moment mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, Indy is under the spell of Kali Ma and short round, like waves the fire in his face to get him out of the trance. And like the, and then this whole veil falls away and he like hugs him. And it's like this whole veil, like falls away from her, her father. Sorry. <laughs> Temple of doom. Did you just have a stroke? <laughs> you said that twice. Yeah, Jones, the Temple of doom. But it's like, it, tra- it completely transforms him. It's like, I get my kids back. <laughs> Is that here? <laughs> I get my kids back. Sound effect for everything. My wife's cool. Like, 
Yeah. You know, uh, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you get to do whatever yeah, you want. All you can kids do, whatever, do yeah. whatever. Yeah. And what I think is really wonderful about this whole story is this perceived act of a rebellion actually saves her family. And I think what it really comes down to is Mev and dad, they have the same values. They mm -hmm. want the same thing. They just took different roads to get it. And I think that's just so magnificent. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, you know, this end bit that Mev says, she talks about this, this decision that was hers and that she had to sort of murder these old ideas and crush these old conditioning and patterns to be reborn for the family to be reborn. T, have you ever made a decision that was entirely your own that maybe other people thought you were fucking it up or they had other ideas for you but you're like no i'm gonna launch out and make this decision that's mine and mine on my own and i'll deal with the the ramifications i feel it's a bit repetitive like the gay thing oh uh, but you, that wasn't like a decision well, decision to you had to come, come out, out but you didn't decide to be gay no that started a long time ago <laughs> Did Moving up here was a was a big deal, and a lot of people were like, "Why? What? Where? <laughs> yeah, you know, where? That's Why? a is that a tiny town, two hours up north? <laughs> Strange. Why? But it made sense for the family, and I think it's going to make sense for decades to come. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've done it a lot, and I and you I have think done that it a I lot. I think decision making is really hard. And I'd rather not. You do made it some ever. big decisions. Yeah, I made some big ones that, like, I feel like the best ones I've ever made were ones that, like, I came up with and executed. Not on my, I know, I don't I think I've done anything on my own entirely. But like, people were like, "What are you doing?" Life changing decisions. Yeah. yeah, like getting out of my last career. Yeah, I couldn't have done that without you. Oh yeah, but my mom. People thought I was insane. People didn't think, people really thought I was going to have to go back to it. So, which just kind of made me more resolute than ever mm -hmm. to not go back. Um, even like getting divorced, mm. I think, well, fuck, even get, getting married. Yeah. <laughs> at 22, wrong. Stupid. Getting divorced. Wrong again. Yeah. But <laughs> they were entirely mine. My own decisions. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. <laughs> um, <clears throat> moving to California in the first place in 2005. Wrong again. I did. But, yeah. I'm joking. No, I know. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I feel like I want notes from a lot of people about a lot of things, but I think I'll pat myself on the back. There are the big stuff I feel like I've absolutely made on my own and and those are the best decisions you I've certainly ever made have you life. owned them you owned them and again it's because you're only you know what's inside of you only you know what your instincts tell you to do and you might be able to express them or explain them but there are people always be people that think they know better than you and i encourage you i encourage everybody to Listen to yourself and make decisions for yourself and stand by them, good or bad, because it's your life and only you can do that. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Trauma Bonded. You can find our show where podcasts are kept. 
If you like us, please rate and review us on Apple or other places, or reach out on Instagram and tell us what you really think about us, or tell us about your struggles, or ask us how our research paper is going. How's it going? Thanks to Mev for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to talk about it. Thanks to This Is Actually Happening team, including Whit Misseldine and Andrew Waits, and the maker of our music and website, Nathaniel Trimboli. Thanks to Forrest Chiras for editing this episode, and to Katie Capel for building those blasted Instagram posts. You can contact us at traumabondedpod at gmail.com. And you can contact us at traumabondedpod at gmail.com and what? find us on Instagram at traumabondedpodofficial or visit our website at traumabondedpod.com. That's a mouthful. Yeah. As a reminder, we will have a bonus comments episode like next week. Also, we will have our first TIAH storyteller follow up this month, like also next week. Next week is huge, y'all. <laughs> We are trauma slash bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thanks for spending time with us today. Love you, Ellie. Love you, T.